With uh, today being the first Sunday of the new year, uh, I'm not going to uh, start again in Mark's Gospel uh, until, God willing, next Sunday. Uh, so what I'm going to do this morning is deliver the message that the Lord gave me for Christmas morning. <laughs> uh, because I had um, a word from the Lord and I've, I've just got to uh, preach it. And you can guess uh, which uh, verse uh, or verses uh, we're going to consider uh, this morning. In Isaiah chapter 9, uh, the well-known words that we associate with Christmas, Isaiah prophesying of Jesus Christ, Isaiah 9 verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now the last time I was in this pulpit, we looked at one of the names uh, that was given to the baby born in Bethlehem, and that was the name Jesus. Well, Isaiah, prophesying many, many centuries uh, before his birth, is giving him several other names, which we're going to try and look at this morning. And the context here is the people of God, uh, the nation of Judah, uh, they were only a, a small nation, and they were being attacked by the superpower of the day, the Assyrian Empire, and they felt uh, so powerless, and Isaiah prophesies that there's going to be a deliverer that will come uh, to them. And then Matthew, uh, when he writes about the birth of Jesus Christ in his gospel in chapter 1, he quotes from Isaiah because then, 2,000 years ago, God's people were not facing the Assyrians, but an even mightier empire, the Roman Empire. And they wanted to be saved from that oppression. And Matthew, quoting Isaiah, is saying, it's not physical oppression that we need to be delivered from, but the oppression from the spiritual uh, enemy of sin. And isn't that why this is relevant to us? At the start of this new year, uh, we need to be saved from sin. Death, hell, the devil, these are the things that stand against us. And the answer is in Jesus Christ. And all I want to do this morning is look at these names that Isaiah gives to Jesus Christ. Because this shows how he can be to you and to me all that we stand in need of in 2020. And 20. Now, the first uh, designation, uh, in my translation, New King James, you've got a comma after wonderful, and you've got wonderful counsellor. Really, there shouldn't be a comma there. Jesus' first title here is wonderful counsellor. Wonderful counsellor. Now, many of us have benefited from counselling in the last few months. I wonder how many of you here have or are seeing a counsellor. 
And what a counsellor does uh, is, is help you. Uh, they help you in your mind uh, to think straight. Jesus Christ, my friends, is a wonderful counsellor. I never thought I'd say this, but I think cognitive behavioural therapy counselling is brilliant. But Jesus Christ is even more brilliant. He's a wonderful counsellor. Do you know what Jesus Christ can do to you this morning? He can make you think straight. Do you know, that's the problem uh, that sin causes. We are in darkness because of sin. Uh, John Lennon sang, Living is easy with eyes closed. Misunderstanding all you see. And if you're not a believer this morning, you're in darkness. Your eyes are shut and you're doing it on purpose. You don't want to see what is the reality and what Jesus Christ does is shine his lights into the darkness. He causes us to think straight. Becoming a Christian is not intellectual suicide. It's not a leap into the dark. It's a leap into the light. How do I begin to think straight when I see things in Jesus' lights? Well, I begin to see myself as not just a body but a soul. I begin to see myself not just living in this world of time, but living for eternity. There's a verse which says God has put eternity in our hearts. You know, this year, all being well, I'll be turning 50. So I was born in 1970. Do you know what 50 years before 1970 takes you back to? 1920. 1920. Were any of you around in 1920? That was before the Second World War. Yeah, that's 50 years up till 1970. And today it's 2020. And 50 years in the future will be 2070. How short life is in this world. We're all heading to a vast infinite eternity and when we begin to think straight that's what we see we see that it's not just the body which will soon die I'm not going to live for another 50 years I don't think so but my body will be dead but my soul is going to live for eternity and your soul is going to live forever in hell or in heaven and that's what thinking straight does to you and then you begin to realise, as with that um, jelly baby, that, that your heart is sinful, that, that there is a problem, and the problem isn't with other people, it's with you, and that this is why we're heading to a lost eternity if something doesn't happen. And then, oh, blessed uh, is this view. We begin to see that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he's the only way. And that he, by his death on the cross, has provided everything that we stand in need of. My friends, that's what a wonderful counsellor does. He makes you think clearly. Are you thinking straight this morning? Andrew Davis preached for us a few weeks ago. His father, I.B. Davis, was a very powerful preacher. I think Andrew's going to write about him. 
and I can remember hearing about I.B. Davis preaching once, and he was so moved for the souls of the people that he was preaching to. He was saying to them, you must be stupid if you don't repent and believe in Jesus Christ. You must be top, as we say in Wales, to neglect your eternal destiny. Think straight. That's one thing a counsellor does. Another thing you can do with a counsellor, as many of you have found the benefit of this, you can unburden yourself. All the things that weigh you down, all the problems. A good counsellor will be able not just to help you to unburden yourself, but they'll be able to pry into the hidden depths of the mind, the labyrinthian ways of the mind, and to bring out those things that you've bottled in. Jesus Christ is even more wonderful as a counsellor. Was it quoted? I think Tony quoted it. What a friend. What a counsellor we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Isn't he a wonderful counsellor? And you know what else a counsellor will do to you? A counsellor will make you feel confidence. Once you've had a counselling session, you're on cloud nine. The problem is it doesn't last. (laughs) But Jesus Christ, oh, doesn't he give us confidence? Uh, I will trust in you alone. My confidence is in you, oh Lord. And in John's gospel, There are some even more wonderful promises. Um, I was in a wedding uh, a few days ago, and the man preached a very powerful sermon. It was a Pentecostal. These Pentecostals know how to preach, don't they? And he was preaching on the verse in Ecclesiastes, uh, two are better than one. Two are better than one. Do you know what? That doesn't just include marriage. Two are better than one in terms of our spiritual life. So it's not just you and me. It's our counsellor, our friend, who's there in heaven. He's speaking up for us. He has authority to plead your case and mine. And then in John's gospel, this is what I was coming to. This is even more wonderful, I think. Jesus says, my father will give you another helper. And the word there in the Greek is counsellor, parakletos, comforter. He will give you another counsellor. And do you know where this one is? In your hearts. Two are better than one. A threefold cord is even better. Three is best. Do you know if you're a Christian this morning and you're looking to the new year and you're full of fears because you don't know what's going to happen? And if you're not a Christian, I feel sorry for you. But if you're a Christian, you're not alone. I know it's a cliche, but it has to be said you're not alone. There's three of you. You've got Jesus Christ, your man in heaven, and you've got the Holy Spirit, your helper in your heart. Isn't Isn't that wonderful? Wonderful counsellor. 
Oh, if you're not a Christian this morning, don't you want Jesus Christ as your counsellor? Don't you? Uh, you know, the best counselling is expensive. It's really expensive. Jesus Christ is free. He's free. A counsellor isn't always there for you. Jesus Christ is always available, always accessible. Wonderful counsellor. I love him. Don't you? I love him. Now, look at the second title. I've got to hurry through these things. And it's one of my New Year's resolutions. Not to pad things out too much. Mighty God. Mighty God. Think of the poor people of Judah. A small group of people. And they were facing the vast Assyrian superpower. What hope did they have of success? Um, I've been reading Dominic Sandbrook's brilliant study of the early 80s and reading um, the other day about the Falklands War. Were you around when that happened? I was a schoolboy. 1982, I think. And you had these small group of people, a thousand or so people, the Falklanders, British people, and the Argentinian army had invaded them. What hope did they have against the Argentinian junta? They, they didn't have a hope in the world. But they need not have feared because an even greater army was travelling across the Atlantic. There was a flotilla of 125 ships and boats. The Royal Navy was coming to their rescue. Who are we to save ourselves from sin? We can't do it. Sin is too powerful. Uh, if, if you're fighting against sin, have you made New Year's resolutions in terms of not yielding to a particular temptation? Well, I wish you luck, if that's the right phrase to use, because you haven't got a hope. None of us have the strength to fight sin. We can't save ourselves from the clutches of sin. It's too powerful, isn't it? I find fighting against sin in my own strength or trying to save myself, it's like walking up a scree slope. Do you know what a scree slope is? It's a slope of small stones. And the step you take up, you take two steps down. It's like that, isn't it? We, we don't have the power. But this is the good news. Jesus Christ is mighty God. Do, do you know what this word mighty God means? It has connotations of a hero. He's the hero that will fight against this horrible enemy of sin. Have you ever thought of Jesus Christ as the hero? As your Hector, one of the old worthies, one of the old heroes. It's a paradox, isn't it? Can you imagine the people hearing Isaiah's prophecy? Here they are fearing this superpower that's going to come against us. And what does Isaiah say? Unto us a child is born. Can you think of some of the people scratching their heads and saying, Isaiah, are you on something? How can a child deliver us from the Assyrians? Unto us a son is given. 
But that's the wonder of the gospel. That's the paradox. If this child is God himself, then there's hope. If this son isn't just any human son, but the son of the king of kings, the second person of the Trinity, God is three persons, one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if the second person who is 100% God, if he is the child, then there's hope, isn't there? Uh, there, there's a phrase, I don't know if you noticed it in the reading. If you've got a Bible, look at verse 4 of Isaiah 9. Verse 4. This, this is how this child is compared uh, as, For you have broken the yoke of his burden. Uh, that speaks of deliverance. Uh, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. And then comes this phrase, As in the day of Midian. Now that's an interesting phrase. As in the day of Midian. Mighty God in weakness. And these people would have known what the day of Midian referred to. Do you know what the day of Midian refers to? It refers to the book of Judges. It refers to Gideon, who was fighting the Midianites. And because I'm getting older and I can't remember all these things, I've written down the statistics here. He was facing a vast enemy. And Gideon had mustered an army of 32,000 men? 32,000 men? And do you know what God told him to do? He told him to whittle them down. To how many? 300. How, how nonsensical. 300. How can they win against the Midianites who were the superpower of the day? How can a child beats the Assyrians. How can a babe in the manger in Bethlehem save me from sin, death, hell, the devil? The answer is simple. Salvation is of the Lord. If that baby is God, then nothing is too hard for him. And that's who Jesus Christ is. As in the day of Midian, so in the day of Bethlehem, uh, one of the carols. Do you mind me quoting a carol this morning? I think Christmas Day is every Sunday. I think Easter Day is every Sunday. I think Good Friday is every Sunday. It's all rolled into one. Lo, within a manger lies he who built the starry skies. If you think of the stars, billions of light years away, if he is holding the stars... He's got enough power to deliver you from the chains of your sin. Not just the day of Bethlehem. The victory came on the day of Calvary. Are you familiar with the day of Calvary? Have you been to Calvary? Maybe not physically. Maybe you haven't visited Jerusalem. But in your spirit, have you looked to the cross? What happened on that cross Oh, I was going to choose it this morning, but I decided against it. Uh, Stuart Townend's carol. Did you sing it on Christmas morning in the end? You know, the best carols, they don't stop at Bethlehem. They take you to the cross, to the cross. And this is Stuart Townend's masterpiece, I think. From the squalor 
of a borrowed stable. Isn't that astounding? The creator and sustainer of the universe has to borrow the stable even that he is born in. By the Spirit and a virgin's faith. To the anguish and the shame of scandal. It was scandal, wasn't it? Because Mary and Joseph were betrothed and she was pregnant. In that scandal came the saviour of the human race. Weakness, the day of Bethlehem. And then the day of Calvary. Through the kisses of a friend's betrayal, Judas Iscariot. He was lifted on a cruel cross. He was punished for a world's transgression. He was suffering to save the lost. He fights for breath. He fights for me. Loosing sinners from the claims of hell. And with a shout, our souls are free. Death defeated by Emmanuel. Praise the Lord. Mighty God. Mighty in battle. Even though he's only a child. Mighty in the place of greatest weakness. The gibbet of the cross. And as Lightfoot said... The convict gibbet has become the victor's car. I like that. <laughs> and now, where is he? Having defeated all our enemies, he is alive at the right hand of the Father. And the government is upon his shoulder. Aren't you glad of that? It is not Donald Trump who is in control. Whatever will happen in the Middle East, the government is on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. My Lord, my Savior. Is he your Lord and Savior? Have you trusted him to save you? Are you still trying to save yourself? Or are you looking to the cross, to him being your substitute? And then one more thing, and I'll be done. Mighty God Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. Are you confused? I'm confused. How can God the Son be referred to as the Father? Well, this is a metaphor. It describes Jesus' care for you and for me when we're his. He has a fatherly concern, a filial concern as it is put you see what sin has done sin hasn't just uh, blinded us and caused us to be in spiritual darkness sin hasn't just bound us so that we're powerless to save ourselves sin has made us fatherless um, I'm reading about the great Augustine of Hippo at the moment do you know what Augustine's fa famous quote is describing our relationship to God Thou hast created us for thyself, and our hearts are restless, fatherless, until they find their rest in thee. We've got a good Welsh word for homesickness. Did you know what the word is? Hiraith. Isn't that a good word? Do you mind if I say it again? Hiraith. Do you feel a hereith for God? Do, even if you're not a Christian this morning, do you feel an emptiness inside? 
after all the Christmas festivities, do, do you feel that it just did not satisfy your soul that there is something in you that the world can never fill? Only God can. You're fatherless, homeless, spiritually. And you know what becoming a Christian is? It's coming home. Becoming a Christian is becoming what you were created to be. Didn't you feel that, those of you who are believers, when you turn to the Lord in repentance and faith, I'm home. This is why I've been created. I haven't been created just to live in a material world. I haven't just been created, uh, I don't know, to go walking up mountains, to go jogging, uh, to go shopping, uh, to go into work. That's not the essence of life. I've been created to know you, Lord, and to enjoy you. And through Jesus Christ, I'm home. I'm home. I really was gutted not to be able to stand in this pulpit on Christmas morning because it's so encouraging to see all uh, those who've grown up in the church, not all, but to see a number come home for Christmas. Maybe some of you are home for the holidays still. It's more wonderful to see you come home to Jesus Christ. Don't, don't you long for that? Those of you who are Christians in families where not everybody is saved, don't, oh, don't you want, don't you parents want children to come home to Jesus Christ? Those of you who are uh, children and maybe still not genuinely saved, oh, Come home to Jesus Christ. That's what we long for you for this new year. Those of us who are grown up here and who are still homeless spiritually. Oh, we want you to find a home, not just in this church, but in Jesus Christ. Do you know, we're just traveling through this world. We're traveling through traveling through this world's not my home spiritually I find home in Jesus Christ when I turn to him and he's with me through this journey and he's with you if you're trusting in him this morning he's your wonderful counselor he's your mighty savior he's the one who will care for you whatever 2020 will throw at us it doesn't matter if we've got his known and felt presence with us but this is what i'm getting at physically this world isn't our home we're going home to a heavenly Canaan we're going home to a place where forever and ever we will never have to leave isn't that amazing everlasting father 
I, I used to love the holidays. When I was a school pupil, I hated school with a perfect hatred. So I used to look forward to the holidays. And then the last few days of the holidays would be tinged with sadness because I knew that I would have to go back to school. We're going somewhere where the holidays are going to last forever. I, I've got to come to a conclusion and... I was talking to the elders in the vestry and a number of them still haven't read the Chronicles of Narnia. That will have to be a New Year's resolution for them. And for you as well, if you haven't read the Chronicles of Narnia. And the last book, the last battle, the last few paragraphs, when the Pevensey children die, they die in a rail accident, and they find themselves in heaven... And at first, they don't realize it. And they're talking to Aslan, who's a picture of Jesus Christ. And Lucy, the greatest soul in Narnia, she looks sad. And she says to Aslan, we're so afraid of being sent back again. She's thinking of going back to school. No fear of that, said Aslan. Have you not guessed? Their hearts leapt and a wild hope rose within them. There was a real railway accident. Your father and mother and all of you are, as you used to call it in the Shadowlands, this world, dead. The term, the semester we should say, the semester is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is ended. This is the morning. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last... They were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. That's what's ahead of you and me in Jesus Christ. Oh, don't you want him as your wonderful counsellor, mighty God, and everlasting Father. Oh, let me commend my Saviour to you. And may this new year be a year of new beginnings for some of you here as you come to Jesus for the first time. And may it be for the rest of us a year of new discoveries of the wonder of Jesus Christ. For his namesake, amen.